0: Welcome to the Crazy Ike Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Teddy. No matter where you are, thanks for making this part of your day. Thanks for taking a listen. Hope everyone's doing well. Before I get into the um, the breakdown of everything, all the fallout from the dead to be over the weekend, the nil-nil draw, let me um, touch on some news and notes for Ike. First off, I have a correction to make. So... The other day on the podcast, I said something about Steven Zuber, and I saw something about him not going to the World Cup, and it turns out I was completely wrong. Um, if you guys remember, there was no reporting that day from Greece, and I couldn't make out exactly what it was saying, what the um, the official post from Ike FC was saying, and then uh, just didn't have any news on what was going on with him. I, all I knew that I could make out was that he wasn't, he wasn't going to the World Cup. I thought maybe it was because he was uh, protesting against it or whatnot. You know, a lot of people are doing that, um, boycotting it. But t- turns out he um, had to have um, abdomen surgery, and he'd been debating whether or not to do it, which explains a lot of his play this year. And I feel bad because I know a lot of Ike fans, including myself, maybe even maybe not publicly I've said this, but it's kind of gotten on my nerves a little bit because he is the highest-played player, player. And the production you were getting out of him was not there. So it's kind of frustrating to watch him on the pitch. But this makes sense. And good for him. Listen, I have to applaud him because to miss the World Cup so you can get better to be fully fit for the second half of the season. I mean, that's something, you know, the it, it reports came out that his um, his national team manager from Switzerland had even said, like, you know, we'll take you with us regardless he wanted him on the squad and uh you know regardless on whether he was slightly injured or injured what have you he was willing to just let him sit on the bench and listen for for a player i mean even i forget how old he is i know he's probably in his mid to late 20s if i remember correctly um that's a big decision to make because you have to factor in all these things. You have to factor in, am I going to be fit enough to play for the next World Cup? Am I going to, you know, is my country going to make it to the next World Cup? It, it, it's, it's, you know, there's two heartbreaking moments, I feel like, in, in, that I really, really feel for people in sports. And that an athlete that doesn't do well at an Olympics or gets injured before the Olympics or someone that gets injured before one of these tournaments, because there's no guarantee. You see it with, you know, for Italy, for example, they haven't been in the last two World Cups. The, the reigning European champions are not going to be at the World Cup this year. You know, that, not to knock on Italy, but just to give you guys an example of how different things can look. Um, so big ups to him for deciding to have this surgery now. That way they said it's about um, four to five weeks. So we're looking at probably him coming back. Fully fit, I would imagine, probably maybe mid to end January. Uh, the latest, like, beginning of February. So, you know, get well soon. Amrabat also went into surgery, I think today, actually. Today or yesterday. Today's Tuesday morning as I'm recording here, U.S. time. Um, he's having his uh, meniscus, his knee cleaned out. Um, also in the news... And that that just goes to show you his dedication. Both of these guys are, you know, this is the family aspect of how Almeida, I believe, has brought this team together, right? Because most people would think, you know, screw this. I'm going to think about my career. I'm going to think about if you're Zuber going to the World Cup. Like, who cares? I'll have, you know, I'll have the surgery after this season if I can. Or even Amnabot, he'd been playing with a bad knee the past two games, of course, he's at the tail end of his career, so it might have been an easy decision for him. And he's a he's a he's a bulldog, man. He's tough, you know what I mean. Um, but both of them making that sacrifice for the club itself, uh, you know i I can only do I can only applaud them, honestly. Um, and then another news: Pablo Fernandez officially joins Ike. Now he won't be able to play in the last fixture fixtures in the. In this calendar year, so right after the World Cup, um, he won't be able to play in the... We have a cup game against Gifisha around uh, the 15th or 16th of December. And then a few days later is when the, the league kicks off again. So we won't have him. I think they said that um, his first available game is going to be against Yanana um after the beginning of the new calendar year so and that's very key especially when you're missing Zuber and Amrabat and Eliasson to have him come in uh I think he's going to be a very key player for Ike of course we've seen the good things that he's done at Volos this year so and he's going to get a full month of preseason so he should be match fit and ready and acclimated to the team by the time we need him Alright guys, so before I start into the game breakdown, uh, probably not going to be a long podcast simply because if you guys want to listen to a little bit more of breakdowns that I made, watching the game live, I did a small podcast, you know, my halftime reactions, my post game reactions, you guys can go back and, um, and listen to that. Also, I was really hoping to try to catch the game on a replay. I was not able to because I wanted to, to watch everything over. Um, I think I said in that uh, post-game podcast that, you know, you tend to get highly emotional w- watching these Derby games. And it's um, you, you see things clearly, but you, you don't you don't see things in detail like like you want to to, to kind of break the, to kind of do this podcast and break it down a little more. Um, so, I'm going to take it in a different direction. Um, before the match, right, the day before, I was uh, getting some work done here at home, in my home office, on the computer. I had the radio on in the background, and uh, it, I was listening to Sport FM, a radio station out of Athens. Probably the most, I would say, the most famous radio station. Uh, the biggest sports radio station in Greece. I mean, I know there's various different ones, Erasport, blah, 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 some radio stations in the Saloniki. So I'm listening to it, and um, the regular reporter that does this late-night show from midnight to 2 a.m. Greek time had on this Olivia reporter that I had never heard of. I had never heard of before. Now, full disclosure, I came in probably in the middle of the episode, uh, or in the middle of the broadcast, so I didn't hear. I barely caught the guy's first name. I think his name was Stavro, maybe. Okay, so uh, full respect to anyone that does this type of job, reporting what have you. Like I get when you're. A journalist in a newspaper, especially the newspaper that's like very specific or sen- se- uh, team specific or central to that team. You know, I mean, now I might say some some newspaper names here that no longer exist, but please apologize. I apologize for that ahead of time because uh, they're always changing up in Greece and, you know, over the the economic collapse of the country a few years ago. A lot of them went out of business. So if I say a newspaper that doesn't exist anymore, please don't kill me. Um, you know, there's newspapers like, we'll take Ike for example. Orega Sport is a very, it's the oldest Ike newspaper. It's very Ike centric, obviously. And then you have O oh, on the Olympiakos side, Foston Sport. You guys understand what I'm talking about. It you have Tibrasini, whatever. Um, so if you write for one of those papers, I can totally understand where you're going to be totally biased. You're going to give your, your opinion as far as what the fans want to hear, what those specific fans want to, want to hear. The problem I had with this guy was just the stuff that he was saying, okay? I think any opinion can be respected. No matter how stupid it is, no matter how out there it is, any opinion can be respected. But he was kind of making fun of himself. Because it's like, have you watched football? Have you watched any other club besides Olympiacos play? Because he was saying stuff like, Ike doesn't have a one in a million chance to win this game. Olympiacos are going to cruise through it. Um, the biggest thing that he said that I didn't hear, but people talked about it after he went off the air. He went off the air about a half hour before this show ended. He talked about, um, you know, how Ike, How Ike Olibacos is not a derby. That to me is is just that's being very disrespectful towards Ike. Of course, that's why they say it. Now, man, you you're a journalist, right? Be I'm sorry, be respectful, especially when you come on a national radio to talk about your club. Be respectful. You're not with your friends. You're not writing for Dobrotahti or whatever you want to write. You know, like I can I can honestly tell you, I, I respect. I respect other reporters of other clubs. Like, I know in the past here, the uh, after the Panathinaikos derby, I kind of laid into Niccolo I mean, yeah, because he did say some stuff. But, I mean, w- what can I say? Like, I, I've i listened to Nicola Coppola before. I listened to Nicola Coppola before, you know, you guys know Nicola Coppola. <laughs> You guys know who I'm talking about. He's got that uh, distinct nasally voice. And you can kind of be very unbiased and... Or you can be very biased and still be respectful at the same time, I feel like. I just felt like this guy was just blowing this up. And he was making himself look like an idiot. And it really, really, like jolted me or got irritated me very badly. That's why I'm bringing it up, and I'm sorry that I'm bringing it up, guys. I wasn't going to, but then starting to think about it again in my head uh, because of the next thing that I'm going to say. I commend most Olympiacos fans for being very respectful towards Ike after the match. They gave Ike mad respect. On the radio, I even listened to the Gate 7 International podcast. A lot of respect to Ike for the way they, they played um, and the football they've been playing. And that was kind of my thing was listening to this guy, this other guy. Dude, have you watched football this year? Do you know how bad your team is? Yes, I know you're coming off a high because you played great in one game against Panathinaikos. Against Panathinaikos' team that is still getting results but has kind of been limping the last month or so. And have been very injured. It doesn't look like themselves. Again, they're getting results and that's what matters. Sometimes, you know, through the course of this long championship season, that's what you have to do. Uh, but Ike are playing the best football in Greece. And everyone, I think, saw that on Sunday. Uh, despite the fact we didn't win. Now, to say things, man, okay, I, I could come on here and do that myself. I can come on here and and, and feed you guys the opadika, you know, like. Uh, how sometimes I'm even feeling in my head. In my head, like, what I want to happen. And I think that's what this person was kind of... I don't know how, but they kind of were expressing what they want to happen in the match as opposed to reality, right? What I wanted to happen was us to make all our chances and the beat when back was 4-0 in the derby on Sunday. But I knew that wasn't going to happen. I knew that, you know, the most important thing is we get a victory, even if it's just with 1-0. Um, but I just want to take a moment and talk about that, and also, again, mad respect to the UBAC fans, the way they were coming out talking, most of them, the way they were coming out talking uh, about Ike, with a lot of respect, a lot of respect for their play, you know, even a lot of UBAC fans on the radio listening to Sport FM after the match had said, you know, Greece is, I mean Greece, uh, Ike is playing the best football in Greece right now, so... Um, so let's get to it. Let's get to the match. (laughs) First half, you know, uh, dominating performance by Ike. The way we played in the first half, I seriously, I was trying really, really hard, reaching deep, deep into my brain to think about another match. Now, in Karaiskaki, how we, that we've ever dominated like this. uh, And I can't think of one, honestly. Like, even going back to... Even going back to the, the old Karaskaki Stadium, they, those good Ike teams um, that I've seen on video and that I've seen on, uh, you know, you can watch matches on YouTube and whatnot that I've gone back and watched. I haven't seen that dominant of a performance. Um, I think what happened was uh, Gonzalez played kind of a more conservative match. Because he knew if he was going to go after Ike or push his lines up, that Ike players were going to easily get behind uh, the defense. Um, Which, and even, it still happened. You know, we had moments, you know, where Garcia was left free with the keeper, that he couldn't put it away. Um, Let's talk about that a little bit, real quick. I know a lot of Ike fans are frustrated. It is frustrating because... We haven't beat Olibiakos in so long. And to dominate in that performance and just to get the 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 draw uh right after the game was very frustrating. But taking a look back at it now and really thinking about it, I mean think about guys, think about the long term, like where we were five, six months ago with this club. Six months ago. Think back six months. In May. Mid-May, where we lost that infamous match to Ades, and I promise I'll stop talking about it. But think about the down that we were then—the the, just the complete misery that existed back then in the club. Um, that I seriously, like, if you would have told me that we would have gone through the first round of this next season in this position right now, I would have said you're, you know to kind of because you got to get checked out. You, you, there's a screw loose somewhere. If you were to tell me that we were going to go through this whole round and have 3 draws and one loss and the rest wins, I would have I would have definitely taken it. Now, the problem with that is that is that Olí. I mean Panathinaikos has been on this historic run. Uh whether they can sustain it or not, that's to be seen looking forward to the second half of the season. And really thinking about it the last couple days, really listening to other people's, you know, breakdowns of what they think is going to happen. I know I've kind of preached that it's not that big of a deal that they're ahead by eight points, but it is an eight point gap. And I still have this gut feeling, despite the fact that I feel people say that this is going to be a hard difference for Ike to make up or for anyone to catch up to Panathinaikos. You know, big ups to Panathinaikos for for creating this. You know, pretty much being undefeated in the first half of the season, and their only dropped points was that draw against Olympiacos last week. But, they to me, they just don't seem that good. To me, they just don't seem that good, and I don't know, man. It just it's it's disheartening that Ike are playing this well and we might end up not winning the championship because this has happened in the past. I've seen Ike play amazing football and us not being able to get results. That's why I can handle this nil-nil draw with with Olympiacos because we played such amazing football. The stuff I can't handle is like the 1-1 in Asteras Tripolis, the loss to Volos, because like I've said before, I think you have to beat those teams, and I know. I think because I'm an American, and I understand. I mean, I'm I'm Greek American, and I've I've lived obviously my whole life in the states. That I understand a playoff system not a little better than Greeks, but we we live through playoff systems here. That's how all our sports are decided. I know these playoffs, league playoffs, are a little bit different in Greece than they are here, but. I really think anything can happen. Like, you have Bauk getting better the last couple of games. But I are they're, they're slipping. Any way you see it, they're slipping. I mean, they they, they went almost an entire half playing with a one-man advantage when Atromitos got a red card, I think at the end of the first half. And they didn't score their first goal to... The 80th minute. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know, like what? I don't know, man. It's uh, it's just frustrating that we're playing this great of football and we're not closer in the table. Now, one thing is obviously, guys, obviously they need to really work on finishing. They really need to work on finishing. Now, one thing I will say that I heard Vasilis Barkakis say yesterday. He's like, everybody at Ike is panicking. Everybody at Ike is saying, you know, we need another center forward. We don't need another center forward. He said it. He's like, it's more important that you create opportunities and that there are opportunities there because eventually they're going to start going in. Um, And the statistics prove it. They talked about statistics where Ike have created the most chances in the Super League this year. But on the flip side of that, we're also dead last in the percentage of goals scored off those chances, if that makes sense. Um, so we ha- we have to start putting the ball away. We, you know, I've I've said this before. Every match, I've said it before, especially in a deadbeat. In a deadbeat, you can pay for it a lot more than you can. For example, I mean, yes, there's Tripoli's game, Tripoli just had that one chance. Yes, it was a blunt, It was a defensive blunder by. By the, by the defense as a whole, not just Zavellas, ja- you know, it, you're going to pay for it. But in a Derby, you're going to pay for it, you know, even it, – it'll be more – it'll be a lot easier for you to pay for it in a Derby because you're playing a better quality team. Um, you're playing a better quality team, and overall, we just have to put away our chances. It's frustrating. I keep thinking about it in my head. That's why I keep pausing, guys, so I apologize uh just so many chances in 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 the derby that we had um, I don't feel like we need a uh, uh, another center forward. The ball just needs to start going in. I would also like to see you know also another thing is we got van 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 Wirt for this for this kind of game right for these kinds of games where you want to throw a forward in when things aren't going well when you're really trying to push to score because he has that ability he's a great player in the box where you can where you can score um so he's he can be kind of like a not a super sub but he can be a, a decent player to come off the bench or even start some games you know depending on the form uh it's been bad for Ike that he's been injured almost the entire time he's been there i mean this is the second match he's been able to get in and play and really saw some good things from him his his movement towards the ball, his movement in the box, uh, that header, I mean, if it was just an inch, if he had just caught it on his head like an inch and it changed direction just slightly, I mean, that would have been a ball that there's no way Pascal no matter how super he was on Sunday, would have been able to catch that. Um, So overall, I mean, in the moment, guys, after the match... Very disappointed at the result. Disappointed that we we couldn't keep pace with Panathinaikos. Disappointed that we couldn't beat Olympiacos, especially this battle. How battle Olympiacos have looked so far this year. But in hindsight, looking at it where we were six months ago to where we are now. I mean, and then you know one thing that I thought about also that I want to touch base on right now is, okay, Almeida has done such great work as a manager. We've seen him work these past few months. We've seen him, he took over the team like last, what was it, end of February, beginning of March, mid-March at some point. And he was able to do all this prep. You could tell he really worked on his plan and his vision during the the preseason training. We're getting another preseason here, and I think... That's gonna be very key, you know. At first, I was like thinking about it in the sense, and I'm gonna say this in Greek: we must after. We must the World Cup break, meaning, uh, maybe it, it might cut our momentum a little bit, you know. And I, and I was kind of dis- disappointed because, and the other thing is not just cutting our momentum, but just thinking, you know, gosh, I want to, I want to watch this team so much because the football. So entertaining. I mean, it's just so entertaining that I don't want to take my eyes off this team. I can't. I don't. I can't remember the last time. probably the last time was was the year we won the championship because we were in a championship hunt. Um, that I can remember me wanting, waiting for the weekend to come so I could watch this this club play. Um, but. Like I was saying, he's getting another month of preparation. So that gives us time for a lot of things. That gives us time to, like I heard this morning on the radio, and it makes sense, to look for replacement players. My personal opinion, we have to look for another left back at some point. Even though Mohammadi has has really performed. He's really, I mean, he's had a, a, a decent season. You can't, you know, compared to how we've begun. I mean, if you guys have been with me through the long haul here, Remember how bad I was harping before even the Ike reporters in Greece were that how bad we needed a left back, how everyone's not talking about how bad we need a left back. Um, But he really has, like, when he he got his opportunity and and has played very, very stellar since. Uh, But I do think you need an upgrade there. You need an upgrade at left back. Hopefully this will give CBD another month to... To get more acclimated to the team, to, you know, people are saying he's playing at like a, a 70%, hopefully he can get to 100% because for me, the biggest chance of the match, the two biggest chances of the match was not the, 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 the Garcia misses. To me, the two biggest chances of the match were Rota being, I mean, all you had to do was kick the ball anywhere else but in Pascalakis' arms. Literally, all you had to do was kick the ball somewhere else and not to get on Rota he's been playing amazing uh as amazing as he can his abilities but he needs to be a a finisher and it's funny someone said you know like if Rota could finish then he wouldn't be playing at Ike which could be true um Sidibe side note coming into that role I would have liked to have seen him in the derby like I said the other day but they and for me I would have thrown him in there because Olimpiakos was getting nothing off their wingers, they have no wing play. They haven't had any wing play for a long time at Olimpiakos, so I would have thrown Subide in there because I don't think they would have done damage going through the wings. For me personally, so I would have that would have been my card that I would have thrown in there when he put in Van Vuit. Vr- Van Vr- I would have been like, okay, throw Subide in there. He'll give you a little. He'll give you maybe something a little more. Um, I can't help but think that if CBD was put in that position, that beautiful through ball that uh, I think it was Gatsinovic, um passed, or it was either Gatsinovic or Pineda that passed to uh, Rota and got him free one-on-one with Paskavakis. And all he had to do was, the goal was wide open, just shoot it anywhere else but on the keeper. Of course, he shot it on the keeper. Uh, just Sometimes you just need that little bit of luck, like I've talked about before. Um, The other big chance was... The bigger of, of the chances in the game, I think, was the Mukudi header. I mean, if it goes anywhere else but, again, in Pascalaki's arms, it, it's a goal. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's frustrating. Sometimes you just need a little bit of luck. Um, but as I was saying before about getting other players, I think we could use the help there. Uh, maybe another center back because um, I really feel like Zavellas, after this year, is done at Ike. And then also, um, I think that watching the form of Mitoglu in the games that he did start, he has really upped his game. And I think it's helping him so much to learn under Mukudi and Vida. Those two veteran players uh, have really, really been helping the kid um, or maybe bring in one or two more, because like I've said before, guys, I, for the sake of even the the Greek national team, I would like to see Mitoglu move on. I mean, honestly, if you're, if your long term is to keep Mukudi, I mean, I guess Vida after next year, he's going to be up there in his 30s. Uh, if Mitoglu is willing to be patient for me, maybe you could have a great center-back pairing that can last for a long time. They're both young. Mukudi and um, Mitoglu are both young. They're tall. They're, you know... Uh, I don't know, but I would definitely look into another... An- you want another center-back besides Zavellas. I mean, not, not to say anything bad about the guy, but he's just not... Uh, he's had a rough time at Ike. Um... Uh, Let's see what else. And definitely, I think they're going to look into and talk about what to do post Bineta. Because Bineta came out, and I know a lot of Ike fans got offended at what he said, that, you know, he's had a great time at Ike, and he's playing well. Confidence is up, but he really wants to return to La Liga. I mean, that's a no-brainer, guys. You want to play, you know, especially if you're, a, if you're a Xeno, if you're somebody outside of Greece. No one wants to play in, in Greece. I mean when they're in the prime of their career, the guy has the guy has European aspirations. I mean, he stayed in Europe on purpose. If you guys remember during the summertime, you know, there were teams in Mexico offering a lot of money to get him back, but he asked the owner of uh of Celta not to not to um not to be traded, not to be transferred to back to Mexico. So the guy has aspirations of playing European football and you're not gonna play for a big club in Europe if you're if you're if you're playing at Ike. Not to say that Ike aren't a big club, but you know, if you have those type of aspirations to play for Barcelona or play for Real Madrid or play for you know, Liverpool, Man City, Man U or what have you, one of those, you know, primetime clubs and be playing Champions League football. Uh, if those are his aspirations, then it's going to be hard to do for from, from Mike, especially in the prime of your career. And it's going to be way too expensive. I mean, like, yeah, would I love Ike to open up their budget and say that we're going to pay 10 million euros for to keep Beneta? And I think he, long-term, would be worth it. But if the guy doesn't want to stay and play in Greece, I mean, you can't blame him. Um, anyways, but getting back to what I was saying, for us to look at someone who who, who can replace um, you know, Pineda in the coming year, maybe there's gonna be a player available now, maybe there's a player that maybe we can lock down now and then sign them you know sign them now, let them stay at their team on a loan, kind of like we did like with Pablo Fernandez, and then uh have them come in the in the summer transfer window I don't know, I mean look i uh we just desperately need to get better at finishing. It's going to be a very interesting second half of the season. You know, Pauk are getting stronger from results-wise, okay? And and I watched them a little bit the other day. I think they were playing in Unicos. And they looked decent. They looked definitely a lot better. Now, again, it was the competition they were playing. They were playing the Unicos. I mean, they didn't look that good against us, but they were playing us at the time. Olympiacos, um, I can honestly say, I don't know. I don't know if, if Gonzalez can trim this squad, Olibiakos do have a lot of quality. Quality-wise, not as a team, but as far as like players, big name players and talent, Olibios are a very talented side. And I would say talent-wise, they have the best talent in Greece. That's not coming together. You're you're gonna have to say that they're gonna be better. On the other side of this now, are they going to be good enough to really come back and contend? You know, that's another thing that hurts us from not winning this deadbeat. We could have put some space between us and really put pressure on Olympiacos as far as uh, getting that second, getting even to that second place spot that they desperately need. Because like I've told you guys before, I think that's the issue Olympiacos cannot go another year without playing at least Europa League football and or at least playing European football. What they would ultimately like to do is get into the Champions League, but I've, I've said my thoughts on that and I feel like I say this every week. It's going to be very, very hard unless a Greek team gets like a very decent draw against somebody or, or let's say it's a team that's doing well this year that's going to look completely different next year. Uh I think it's going to be very hard for any Greek club to qualify for Champions League group stage. But, um, and then you see stuff like, <laughs> you know, I, I tweeted about this Mancini from Adi coming out saying how he hasn't been paid in, in, in five months. That, that you know, that, that stuff is sad because you could tell the state of the club by just that. And people were, you know, there were red flags there saying Adi, you know, is making all these changes. He's doing all these stuff, all these big time signings. The problem with Adi's is, uh, similar to kind of what happened to Ike under Demi, and my this is my personal opinion, is, and what happened to Banatan under Alafuzos. To use the kind of English cliche, uh, you can't count your chickens before they hatch, right? Meaning you can't automatically assume, I'm going to put this great team together and they're going to qualify for a group stage in Europe. Or they're going to qualify for European football, and I know I'm going to get money from that. So I'm going to spend money now, and they're going to qualify. I know they will. It's kind of being arrogant in a way, and it's exactly what happened years ago with, with Demi and what put the, the team further in debt was, okay, yeah, people, you know, I think overlook this because that was the year that um, with the with the Wellmer, Velmer, whatever the heck his name was, incident where Ike, Olibiakos won the championship on paper instead of on the field. And that caused Ike not to go back then. The Greek champion went straight into the group stage. And that's how higher efficiency was back then. Um so, and with all due respect to that, I get that opinion, and people want to blame Olibiakos for that, but we still could have qualified for the for the champions. If we didn't qualify, and then you have all these big time contracts. That's why Rivaldo ended up leaving, that's why we had to sell Skoko off. Uh, it, and it's sad to see that the same thing's going to be happening to Adi now. And I hope it doesn't happen to the point to where they're, you know, again, demoted to the lower divisions. Kind of like Ike was and kind of how Adi was back in the day. It's just it, it's just sad to, to really see that um, happening to a team that we want to stay in the, in the Super League. I want, especially teams that are well-supported, um, to stay in the Super League. So... Uh, you know, and 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 has kind of done the same thing to a certain degree, taking out all these lucrative contracts and having all these having all these players. How are you going to pay them? You're going to have to have a you're going to have to have a fire sale, and then the problem is when teams know that you're in trouble. Similar to how we did to Saint Etienne over the summer, unfortunately, they're going to buy low. I mean, this ha you know. Panathinaikos, same thing. That's why Panathinaikos had to drastically cut their budget because Alafuzo pumped all this money into wanting to either win a championship back in the day or, um, you know, winning a championship back in the day or qualifying in Europe, and then they didn't qualify for Europe. And we saw Panathinaikos come to the brink. That's why it's smart, guys. And I know we hear all this stuff about Milizandidi being Cavuras and this and that. It yeah, it, it sucks because you wanna have a bigger budget to compete with Oliviacos, uh, from a budget standpoint, but you also have to be smart with your money when you're when you're dealing with this with you know, European football and whatnot. Cause you don't wanna count your chickens before they hatch. Like there's no guarantees that You're going to be playing, obviously, we know this better than anybody, that we're going to be playing in in group stage football next year, European football. Um, And that's why I've said at the beginning of the season that that second place spot was very important because it gives you another round to have another shot at playing more European football as opposed to falling to third or fourth or fifth. Where you could get an opponent, kind of like Panathinaikos did, where you're going to play a stronger opponent like Slavia Prague. Or you could get, you know, a a fifth or sixth place team from a big league. Play someone like Roma, for example. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not, you know, uh, I don't know what place they're in. But, you know, I'm just trying to give you guys an example. And have to qualify against them and be one and done in Europe. Um, so it's going to be very important I think the second half of the season is gearing up to be quite exciting uh, You know, it's going to be interesting to see How this little mini off season goes for Ike, What changes they can make um, To talk about the cup again Yes, we drew with Kifisa And then we have to play the winner of Pansaraikos Or Apolo Napondu So really, basically we're looking at the semi final, possibly facing whoever wins Olibbaco Saradi um in the semi final, which would be very exciting for a semifinal um but until then, I mean we're, not to say and nothing's guaranteed um if these were one leg matches, I would say, okay, yeah, but I mean two, over two legs, could I see either of these teams really giving us problems no. Um, so pretty much I have a little bit of, uh, I don't want to jinx it, but easy street, at least until the semifinals. Um, and who knows how the, how teams are going to look then. Um, so the cup should be very interesting, but anyway, guys, I don't really have anything else. I think I want to talk about today. Um, like I said, more depth game breakdown. You can go back, you can refer back to my immediate post game and, and pre, uh, halftime podcast that I did, um, you know, because really, besides putting away chances, I mean, that was it. I mean, I could not have played more perfectly in that match and dominate, utterly dominate Olympiacos for 80% of the match, I would say. You know, Olympiacos had that stent in the beginning of the second half, and Almeida kind of talked about this in depth after the match, where he said he knew that Olympiacos were going to have they're playing at home for god's sakes and he knew they were going to come out ike for a good 10 15 20 minutes man where they were really going to try to pressure ike but that's all they could they could endure um, so he he talked about that and uh, really quickly actually one more thing i want to talk about how for the first time i think since this whole VAR system came out, I lived through what fans talk about, like, you know, either the the joy or the sadness of being scored on. Like, when back was scored, I thought it was a Casa goal. I did not think it was getting pulled back. I was, like, so pissed off. It, it's the most annoying feeling in the world to me as a football fan. When your team dominates another team and then you... They get one good chance and they score on you. I know that's it's a part of the game. It's a part of football. Um, it's a part of the reason why we love football, like I've said before. But it was just utter, like, frustration. Just I was screaming at the TV. I was here home alone, so it was nice. Screaming at the TV at the top of my lungs. Just really irritated and pissed off in that moment. And then all of a sudden I look up and the announcer said something like the goal has been, uh, has been, has been canceled out, has been taken away for offsides. And I was like, what? So that was my first moment, I think, um, of experiencing this new VAR type of lifestyle that we have to endure now as football fans. Um, it was (laughs) really, really interesting. Uh, So that was my little story on that, guys. I hope everyone's doing well. Um, Gosh, I just had another thought. and I just lost my train of thought real quick. Something I wanted to touch on with that. Um, Oh, yeah, something I didn't touch on. Sorry, guys, I just remembered. The whole um, penalty, I know a lot of Ike fans have called for a penalty against Mandalos um, at the end of the game because they said that... uh, you know, the ball was played back by the defender, not... It was either a poor clearance or the ball hit the defender going back. It wasn't played through by an Ike player. And that what ensued afterwards was a was a, a penalty from Baskalakis on to Mandelos. I don't know. I'll have to rewatch it to really give you guys a, a stronger opinion about it. If that's the case, I mean, like, a lot of people from the Ike media have been saying... They're saying that that was the case. Um, then if it, it, it falls on the var, because even Mondalos came out after the match and was talking to the to, said he was talking to the referee, and the referee said, "Yeah, it, it's a penalty." He's like, "I would have called it a penalty," um, except for the fact that you were you were offsides. Uh, and then Mondalos, you know, if I saw, I remember seeing this uh, where he gestured to, to his head. He's like, you know, you it, it kind of. Trying to tell the ref, like, it didn't bounce off of an Ike player. It bounced off of, I think, Doi at the time. Um, anyway, I, I can't really give any thoughts on that. I mean, it's, you know, football. football's football. Things are going to happen. I mean, we should have put away the game earlier. To, to cry right now and make a big big stink out of a penalty, I mean, I don't, you know. We deserve to win. Even though the Back fans say it, uh, that I deserved to win. Ike should have put away their chances. Um, that, that it just comes down to that. Anyway, guys, uh, so I think from here on out, I think I'm going to just keep you guys updated on what's going on with the team. Um, maybe I will next week do some episodes or start my series on uh, talking about the state of Greek football. I might spend like two episodes on that. Other than that, just keep you guys informed with the team. Maybe at some point during this break, I can focus a little bit more on the basketball team or some other Ike sports that I could talk about since um, the football team won't be playing anytime soon again. Anyway, I hope everyone has a great week. Uh,